Thank you so much for listening to the audio version of our podcast. If you prefer an extended cut version with extra content, there's a link to our YouTube page on our website at letgoddie.com or you can follow us on Facebook. Also on our website, we have a support tab. If you'd like to contribute to what we're doing and help us continue sharing the stories of God at work, you'll find a link to our Patreon page where you can pledge as low as $1 a month and help us continue putting out episodes of the podcast. Most of our episodes do contain some content and language not suitable for children. Thank you for your time and on to the show. Welcome to Let God Die, the weekly podcast sharing stories of God transforming lives through changing perceptions of who He is and what it means to follow Him. We believe that commonly those who reject God haven't experienced the truth of who He is, and that those who follow God often have false expectations or understandings. Together, we can take those perceptions of God and let them die, so God can live. All right, this is the Let God Die podcast. This is Josh. And this is Calvin. And today our guest is Paul Granger. Is that your last name? That's correct. All right. And uh, Paul, um, we've never met. Uh, We've never talked. Um, Quite literally, there's a a pretty cool community around uh, anchor-hosted podcasts um, on Facebook. Um, There was a Facebook group message where someone just said, hey, uh, what is your podcast and what do you talk about? and uh, I just skimmed down the list, and uh, I found a couple that I wanted to check out, and Paul's was one. Um, and uh, several minutes into listening to his intro episode, I actually haven't even finished the first episode, Paul, because um, I, I was just like a little bit in, and it was like, uh, we need to talk to this guy, because I feel like uh, we're very, I guess, kind of similar in like what we want to accomplish with our podcasts. Right. Um, and uh, kind of the heart behind things. Um, so, yeah. Paul, uh, can you just kind of give us a little bit of a, a rundown of like who you are as a person, what life looks like, and uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah. So, uh, first, I'll introduce you to my cat who's trying to knock over the computer that is going on the floor, and she's gone. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Paul Granger, and I uh, live in Richmond, Virginia. And, you know, I honestly, right now, the best way to describe me is the it's going to sound, you know, Christianese, but uh, ambassador of Christ. And the reason I say that is because I'm in a unique season where I don't have an official job title. I don't have a lot of the normal things that we usually in our culture and our society use to identify ourselves. And over the last almost year, God has been positioning me in a place to really own what it means to know who he is and how he's actually in control of things and to know who he's created me to be and to know that part of my role is to represent him in the world. And so now my day to day has become figuring out what that practically looks like. Um, But outside of that, I've been living and serving in the East End of Richmond uh, for the last over a decade. Um, East End of Richmond has one of the higher concentrations of poverty on the East Coast. And part of the ways that I I know God's called me is to practice what it means to love your neighbor. And so I've been trying to learn and figure that out while also learning more about myself and ways that I wasn't aware of my own bias or wasn't aware of my own ignorance and addressing that. Um, My wife and children and I all feel really called to to serve God in whatever way he says. And so my wife's currently serving for a ministry down the street, uh, but we're going to be stepping out uh, 
and going 100% support raised, serving God in whatever way he says. And we're still discerning what that looks like. (laughs) But it's an exciting season because it's forcing us into a place of dependence. It's forcing us into a place of taking our identity from God and not from anything else that the world would place on us. Um, One of the ways that God's called me to serve is through doing the podcast that I do that you mentioned earlier, Where Did You See God? And the funny thing is, is before that, I didn't really listen to podcasts. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I still don't fully, I'm like you, like, I'll start one and then I might come back to it later. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I have three kids, so, you know, where do you find the time? But uh, I felt like God was pushing me, one, to be transparent about my own story, about my own life, but two, that that wasn't just a call for me, that was a call for all of his people. And so what could it look like to create a culture, a context, a safe space for stories to be told, for stories to be heard, um, for stories to be not limited, but just to be whatever they need to be, however they need to be. And, and I don't know what's going to happen with this podcast. I don't, it's, I don't think it's about numbers or acclaim. Sometimes I don't even want to put out an episode, but there are moments where I feel like God's trying to do something. I'm trying to be obedient. And I don't know. I feel like I've been encouraged more than probably anybody else just from hearing the stories that I've heard and from processing my own stories openly. So that's the the nutshell. <laughs> Man. So your podcast in particular about um, just like basically like where do you see God at work? Like how many episodes have you done so far? I literally just posted the 23rd episode like 10 minutes ago. Oh, no way. Yes, yeah, nice. so it started in October. And like the core of it is, it, it comes from a question that I was asked maybe 15 years ago. Uh, I was in a meeting for a ministry that I was working for. And we were just talking about the day. And then uh, the executive director, Rob, Rob Prestowitz, was like, all right, I want everybody to go around the table and I want you to tell me, where did you see God today? And, and we were shocked at how struck we were because that should be an easy question, right? But we didn't have answers. Yeah. We didn't know what to say. I'm sitting there wrestling, hoping I'm at the end of the circle going around. Yeah. I end up being the first one. And, and so he asked me, Paul, where did you see God today? And I'm like, I'm just trying to find something because I don't want to look bad. So I just come up with, we were doing after school <laughs> programming. I'm like, ah, you know, this kid who never did his homework, you know, he did his homework and that's where I saw God. And I was like, all right, move on. And he's like, but why? <laughs> why did you see God in that? Like, Man. But it convicted me because it's like, if I really do believe that God is real and that he's working, how is it that I don't have an answer to that question? Yeah. And so I was ready the next time. I knew he was gonna ask again. So the next time it came up, I knew I needed to be looking. And I suddenly realized like, if I'm doing this just for a question, why should I not just do this for my life? Why shouldn't I create a way of living where I'm actively looking for God? And so that question has shaped me over the last 15 years of being not someone who just goes day to day and then tries to look back retrospectively, but to start the day and say, all right, God's going to do something. And if I want to see it, all I have to do is seek. So am I willing to do that? Yeah. That's genius. <laughs> <laughs> like literally when you, when you said that and you asked that question, like where did, I, where did I see God at work today? Like I was at work today and I was like, I see him in anything. Like, work was a disaster. Like, we're uh, sucked today like that's what i'm like kind of just like yeah mm-hmm. but yeah like to to be a person that's hoping and like desiring for the kingdom of god to happen like to be in a place where someone asks you a question like that it should be an easy question 
Mm-hmm. But like it kind of challenges that inner heart perspective. Like, man, like maybe my eyes aren't as peeled in as they need to be. Like, mm. like that good sober self awareness thing that pushes you deeper in a relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm all about that. That's sick. It's good. <laughs> you, you got me. That's God. me. I love that you said. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of like looking where it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, how often do we have that mindset of like? all right, I want to have open eyes to see where you're at work or I want to have open ears to to hear where you're at work, you know? I mean, I go through mm-hmm. uh, not just full days, but like full weeks where I yeah. know that's not my prayer, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. I know that, uh, I don't know, like if I would really just like have this heart that's like, huh, uh, I want to like see where God is at work, um, I would see it all over the place. Because days that I do have that attitude, I do see it all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a friend years ago. Um, it's kind of wild how like, you know, I think God speaks through like little things. Like what I heard was not what he actually said, uh, what this guy actually said. Um, mm-hmm. But it was at a time that I was uh, really discouraged just with, um, I guess, uh, people in my life, their lack of response to um, very obvious, like obvious tugs that God was uh, doing on their hearts. Um, I guess that's the best way to describe it. Um and he said something like, man, I feel like you're like really weighed down at like other people's, um, you know, other people's doubts and other people's decisions. Um, and uh, I guess what God spoke through that was, hey, you're not recognizing the fact that I'm at work. You're more concerned about the fact that you're not seeing results. Mm. Um, and uh, for whatever reason, like from that point forward, it was just like, oh shoot like (laughs) yeah why am i so focused on like what i see as the end result uh which is in reality just the um immediate result that i'm looking for Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah y'all had a uh, recent episode uh that i also didn't get to finish (laughs) um you know where it was the that i think it was like a story challenge or something like that and you're supposed to share a story that's not yet done and, and what I love about that is, so when I started the podcast, I didn't know what it was going to become, but I set it up in such a way where people had numerous ways to share their stories. And I knew there was one scenario in which I could get a flood of stories and I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do? I have to find a way to get them to work. <laughs> That's not what happened. Uh, in fact, there were times where I knew somebody had a story and I felt like God pushing me to like encourage them. And it took a lot of work. And, and so I've spent a lot of times over the last 23 episodes processing this idea, why is it so hard for us to tell stories? And so, you know, something that you just shared and in that recent episode you did, I think that's part of it is we don't really want to share the stories unless it's, it's wrapped up nice and has yeah. a bow on. We don't want to share the stories unless it makes us look good. We don't want to share the stories unless it has this profound truth or revelation. And that's, those are great stories, but those are like a fraction of the stories. And I can't tell you how many times the, the last job I had, I spent five years uh, walking alongside a whole mess of young adults, hundreds of young adults who were coming in to serve in our community, whether it's for a week, a summer or for a year. And one of the, you know, when you think of the, the spiritual gifts, the apest, apostle, prophet, uh, where I identify most is shepherd. So one of the ways that I feel like I can most honor God and serve others is by walking alongside people, shepherding pastoral care. And so I spent a lot of time in conversation, one-on-one conversation with 
hundreds of young adults. And one of the things that was just striking and a resounding theme was the number of times I would meet with one person who was wrestling deeply with this hard thing. And in my head, I would just almost be screaming because I'm like, your friend is wrestling through the same thing. I just talked to him yesterday and he's going through the same thing, but both of you feel like you're alone in this. Yeah. Um, and how often do we do that where we silo ourselves in our struggles or our questions or our doubts and feel like we're alone when in reality, there are people around us who are wrestling through the same thing that if we came together, we'd suddenly realize the power of that. And so that's the power of storytelling when we don't refrain or restrain, when we don't limit it to say, I gotta wait till the story's done. I gotta wait till it has a clear wrap up. When we actually just share, when God puts it on our heart to share with whomever he puts it on our heart to share too, he can do something you know, abundantly more than we can ask or think. True. For sure. So true. Like that's one of the main ways that we, we find ourselves as a church becoming unified because we're, mm -hmm. where there's vulnerability. Like where we don't have vulnerability, we'll never have unity. Because mm. there's there's no same heart. There's no like, there's no like, there's no exposure to like the places that we are and where we want to be. There's mm -hmm. just like this facade of this version of ourselves we want people to love and believe mm. that isn't like the real us. So like when when I know the real you and you know the real me, we can really truly say we love each other. Mm. Outside of that, we can at best say we love the ideas of one another. You know. Mm -hmm. There's this uh, verse that I, man, I just keep on coming back to. I'm trying to pull it up. Uh, in First Peter, all right, there it is. Um, so so there's this day that I was at um, a house church gathering uh, of my church, and it was just a heavy time. I mean, everyone was feeling just this heaviness, and there were specific issues. Uh, I had recently lost my job. Someone else had lost their job. A couple people were in the hospital. A couple people were dealing with homelessness. And we just felt this sense of heaviness. Um, but we were so ready to be available, accessible, like present to the spirit that that's how we positioned ourselves that night. And the night took a different course. We ended up spending a lot of time praying. And as we were praying, I came across this verse. Uh, it actually had hit me earlier that day, but hit me in a new way that night. And it's First Peter, uh, starting in verse 8, it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now, I'd heard that verse before all throughout my life. I've come across that verse and I was always turned off by that last part because it's like everybody's suffering. And I'm like, ah, that's not encouraging. You're supposed to say there's the lion, but you're going to be safe. God's got you. But what I love is that, you know, in that first part, I mean, it's legit. We've seen it. The enemy is constantly prowling around, constantly mm -hmm. trying to take us down. And when we are in, when we are being individuals, when we are siloed, when we're not connecting with the body, when we're not unified, we're easy pickings. The line just snatches us oh, up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it says resisting him, standing firm in the faith. And this is the key, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And what hit me is here I was in a room with a crowd of people who are all feeling suffering that all felt individual, that all felt alone. And yet suddenly here we are, we're looking around, we're like, we're all sharing in the suffering. And we realized that suddenly we had power. This lion yeah. that's gone around that tries to pick us off. Suddenly we're a mass of people that are like, we have strength in our shared suffering. So 
come at us. Like you can't take us down. And like, that's the thing is like, you know, the Bible is full of this idea of unity over and over and over and over. And yet what's the thing that's constantly tearing at the church? It's disunity. <laughs> like it's no accident because the enemy knows if he can, if he can make us mad at that person, if he can make us not like how the leadership's doing this, that, or the other, if he can make us find any reason to separate, then he can pick us off. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and we don't make space. Um, I mean, as far as I see, like typically in the church, we don't make a lot of space to like share the stories of God at work mm-hmm. or the the stories that are in process. Um, mm-hmm. One of our guests uh, recently, he brought up that uh, for him growing up, he almost always heard testimonies that were really dynamic and that like mm-hmm. had this like huge moment of decision. And uh, uh, when he said that, I was just like, ah, oh, crap, like, <laughs> we, we've picked a lot of like stories for the podcast, even like mm-hmm. that, you know, um, mm-hmm. but we want to, uh, I don't know, like it is our desire to, to like really think about, I don't know, some people that have had, I guess you could say like quieter, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. stories, but are just as transformative, um, mm-hmm. uh, totally like, you know, Holy Spirit transformation has happened, um, mm-hmm. but it might not, you know, it might not be something that would make a good movie. Um, but mm-hmm. it's something that is crazy vital to the body of mm-hmm. Christ to share. Um, and uh, I think that was like similar to me growing up was I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, I hear all these stories of I used to have drug addiction. I used to have like these different things. Um, and I was just like, oh, well, you know, like I never had, uh, you know, I don't have that story. So I guess like my mm-hmm. transformation is less important. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until oh, yeah. like really coming to a point of, uh, yeah, just sharing like the daily struggles with each other, making space for that, that I was mm-hmm. like, oh, we're all on this journey together. Uh, yeah. It looks different for you than it does for me, but it looks the same <laughs> at, mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously when there isn't space made for that, um, it communicates, one, that you are alone in your suffering. Um, and I think it also communicates that uh, – you know, we believe that God was active 2000 years ago, but, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> let, let's just tell those stories. Um, yeah. I mean, those stories, I'm not discounting them obviously, but like, mm-hmm. uh, it does kind of communicate that unintentionally that, uh, yeah. like God was active, but you know, yeah. not so much anymore. Yeah. I mean, for a long time, I didn't even want to tell my testimony cause I didn't have one of those good ones, right? Like I grew up in the church and I tried to do the right thing and I didn't even have a specific date where suddenly the spirit came upon me. Like, for a long time, I felt like I didn't have a story worth sharing. And part of my personal journey has been learning, one, a lot of what you just said, and two, like that it is a journey. Like It's not that we have our package story and then we just carry that with us for the rest of our life. My story 15 years ago is not what it was 10 years ago and five years ago and not the story that I tell today because yeah. God is constantly changing me. But here's the yeah. other thing that I've been learning through doing this podcast is like I think we get caught up in the story versus the storyteller. Because a lot of times we mark ourselves as story. I got to figure out how to package my life in a way that's inspiring or exciting. But like, you know, you can have incredible stories. And, you know, you can think of like, you know, Avengers Endgame. I mean, we knew that that was going to be action packed, have all kinds of stuff in it. It didn't really fully matter who directed it because there's going to be enough in it that would be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gripped by it. But what I love is there are some movies where there is no action. There is no like incredible problem that needs to be solved. 
and yet I'm gripped for two hours. And it's because the director is such a masterful storyteller that he can take something that anybody else would have just written off and said it was boring and make it into something powerful. And this is what God, the most incredible storyteller can do is take what we see in our lives is as fruitless, unvaluable, uninteresting, and bring something out of it. I had um, one of my recent episodes was with my friend Aisha. And, and she was one that, you know, I mentioned earlier that there are some people that felt like God was telling me to pursue. Um, and she was it, it, just one day she was on my mind and I felt like God was saying she needs to be on the podcast. And so I also felt like he wasn't telling me to push her too much. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, you know, two or three months uh, of some back and forths and, you know, schedules changing a random moment where we were in the same parking lot on a frigid rainy night and we couldn't get out of our car. So we were texting each other like, Hey, yeah, I definitely want to be on the podcast. Okay. Let's set a date. But when she finally came, one of the things that had held her back is she didn't know what story to tell. Um, and she's, she has some really incredible parts of her story, but she's like, I mean, people have heard that. I just don't know that I have anything to share. And what I told her was something I had learned from several of the episodes is that if we go into it just with whatever we have, then it may or may not be interesting. It's on us. But if we go into it inviting the Holy Spirit in, which I appreciate that that's how you started this by praying and inviting the Holy Spirit in, because if we do that, then that's inviting the storyteller. And it's one of my favorite episodes because we literally had no plan for what the episode was going to be. And, and it was incredible just to see where God took it. The story that was evoked out of her, how she was encouraged, how I was encouraged, how other people who ended up listening to it encouraged. And it was all because the storyteller stepped in and did his thing. And so are we willing to actually trust that? Or do we want to hold on to that our stories and tell the stories the way we want to tell it or not tell it because we don't want people to hear it? Can we trust our lives to the greatest story that teller that ever was and see what he can do with it? That's a great way to put it, man. That's profound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so profound. And like from... Do like you were saying, like now, like you're in a season of life where like you're basically letting, like setting the book before God and saying, like, here, mm -hmm. you write everything. Like, <laughs> what, what, how's that transition worked out for you? Like, yeah, <laughs> dude, it's been amazing and frightening and encouraging and difficult. And, and I'll tell you, I was just saying this to somebody the other day, the hardest moments for me are the ones where I'm slipping back into how I used to think reality worked. I was telling somebody today, you know, it's like, you know, if we think about what's important to life, you know, if we think of what's important to life based on this idea that life is when between when we're born and when we die, then what's important is your survival. So, you know, you need food, you need shelter, you need money for those things. And we base our life off of those realities. Um, the jobs we get are based on making sure that we have what we need. The people we interact with are based on what they will give to us. And the thing is, is that it's like that reality from when we're born to when we die is this little teeny blip on the bigger scheme of eternity. I mean, not I even. Do it. And so if we then step back and say, okay, well, what's important then if I'm looking not at that tiny little blip, but to the whole thing. Well, in terms of eternity, it doesn't matter how much money you have or whether you have food or whether you have shelter or whether you have any of those kind of things, because it's a blip. 
in eternity, all that matters is God. Mm-hmm. All that matters yeah. is honoring God. All that matters is being God's. But the beautiful thing is that we're not the the truth is, is, is isn't we that live that small blip and then we go into the ter- eternity. It's Jesus is saying the kingdom is here now, like the kingdom is coming and welcome it in. And so that's been the season for me is how do I recognize the lies of it matters what job you have? It matters what people think of you. It matters that you have money. It matters this, that and the other. How can I step from that and say, actually, what God's told me is I don't need to worry. What God's told me is seeking you will find, asking you receive. What God's told me is that he is a provider, that he is loving, that he is a good father, that he won't let me just be destroyed, but that he will protect. I mean, scripture is full of those truths and yet we don't live like that. <laughs> we protect ourselves. And so it was almost a gift from God to make me lose my job <laughs> unexpectedly because it thrust me into this space where I could either choose to follow God or not. And fortunately he had primed me to follow him. And then when God pushed me into this opportunity to, okay, Paul, you have this option, this option, this option, they pay well, people will respect you, or you could go to this place with no money, (laughs) I'll be there. And I was able to step into that. And like, and it's been amazing to see the ways that God's provided. Look, I, the last paycheck I received was in November. Our bank account should have been out by March. We're in mid-June. We haven't run out of money. That's on top of God telling us not to scale back anything. That's on top of me ending up in the hospital and having unexpected hospital bills and, you know, our third child being born and our cat needing dental surgery <laughs> and, you know, all kinds of expenses. And even today, even today, I just found out that we're going to have to replace an HVAC unit, which is going to be like $7,000. We're still figuring out how we're going <laughs> to, you know, function in life. But what's beautiful is that the hard moments, as I mentioned, are the moments that I'm slipping back in that old reality that if I don't have the money or what if this and the other, or am I crazy? What are people going to think about me? Like all that does is drag me down. Dude. But the more I step into what God has promised and what he has repeated over and over and what he has shown and who he has shown himself to be, then I can just do what I was able to do today by God's power, stand on that porch while the guy's showing me the numbers of what I'm going to have to pay. And I'd be like, all right, well, God's going to have to show up because I can't do it. <laughs> it's right. like freedom of being able to just release. You know, that's why Jesus says, die to yourself. It's not a punishment. It's not to hurt us. It's that what Jesus knows is the more that you are living to those false realities and to yourself, the less you can actually live in the real reality of who God is and how he wants to function and his power. Like we're choosing a weakness over strength because we don't want to take the risk of letting go. But man, the moments that we let go, it's like, why do I ever turn back? And yet I do. And I need to keep on pressing forward. You know, Paul says, you know, not that I have reached perfection, but I keep on running the race. There's another passage that says, you know, though I may stumble, I don't fall. It's like, I imagine God walking down the street and I'm with this little teeny kid and he's holding my hand and I trip on the sidewalk, but he's gripping my hand. And even though I stumbled, like he's not going to let my face hit the pavement. Like I need to be willing to keep on coming to the table and saying, okay, God, I'm going to choose today to believe you, who you said you are, take you at your word and look for you. And when I slip up, I'm going to, I'm going to come back and say, okay, how can I understand God in that? How can I own my limitations in that? And tomorrow come back at it and keep on running that race. Man, dude, Josh, I love this guy. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you're like, you're like my type of people. Okay. 
it's very rare I get to talk to a person that like actually like just is willing to like trust dad enough to step into that mm-hmm. and like literally trust him to be who he says that he actually is. Mm-hmm. And like for me, like that's when I really began to find my actual life in Christ is when I decided to lose it. Mm. Like I've I've worked jobs where I was like a team leader and I have professional titles. Like I have a pretty tremendous resume, but like none of that gave me peace. Mm. And like the type of life that you're walking in right now is one that says, I want presence over platitudes. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's kingdom. <laughs> yeah. That's kingdom. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's super kingdom. It's just like, it's just coming back to the simple heart of God and saying that like, Lord, I want what you want. And even if it's scary, and even when I don't want it, I want it still. Mm-hmm. And teach me how to want it the right way. Yeah. And just allowing him to bring the things into your life that he wants for you. And also, like, I'm going to use this as an example. It's like, we're, the Bible says that godliness will contend is great game, right? Mm-hmm. So with that being the case, like, we're kind of called to live this life that's open-handed, where the Lord is able to take in and put out whatever he wants and we don't get attached to the gift to say like this is mine god mm-hmm. don't take it away from me but it's more like lord you are the source of my strength you're the source of my contentment no matter what you give me no matter what you take away like as long as i have you I have everything that i need mm-hmm. and like i'm gonna be okay mm-hmm. that type of life brings so much more freedom because you're not worried about how the practical ways the workings are gonna happen you're gonna think about it but it's not the warrior concern of your heart. It's like exactly what the Lord has for you today in the moment. Hmm. Well, here's yeah. what's, what's so beautiful about this is like when you said, you know, you're like, man, you're, you're my type of people. Like in my head, I imagine there being somebody listening that's like, oh man, I want to be his type of people too, but I'm just not there yet. And what's beautiful about this is the accessibility of it. Like mm-hmm. where you are, where I, you know, like where we are is not because we suddenly got really smart or we studied or we did this the other or we're suddenly great. Like it's actually the opposite. Like just and like, you know, for me, there's, you know, I spent Preach. a large, I, like I mentioned, I grew up in the church. I've spent most of my life trying to follow God, but the way I'm talking now, like is really just over the last year and a half. And I'll tell you what the starting point was, was there was going to be, uh, my church was holding this weekend Holy Spirit conference. And, you know, I was like, I, most of the churches I've gone to didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit. I don't really know what to think about the Holy Spirit. I've known people that I feel like they're not really, they say they've got the Holy Spirit, but I feel like they're playing it. Like, I don't know what to think of this, but if, if this thing that, like, if it's that, it's God, the Son, and the Spirit, like, I can't just disown the spirit. So I should probably figure this out. And so I went to this conference and that's a whole other story, but it was this, what was more important, it was the start of the journey of saying, okay, Holy Spirit, if you're real, I'm trying to get to know you. And it wasn't like this quick thing. Like I can look back now and be like, oh yep, he, (laughs) I knocked and he answered that door. But what it looked like in the moment was um, hardships, opportunities, you know, times where I could let go, times where I could receive, times where he worked through me. And and the more I pressed into that, the more I began to really own like, oh, the Holy Spirit's legit. The Holy Spirit is real. And and like, you know, it makes me think about the disciples. And so when they were before they knew Jesus, like their lives were just a whole different thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Then they met Jesus and something was awakened in them. 
There was something mm-hmm. different about them. There's something, I mean, they were willing to leave their jobs and their families and follow this guy they didn't even know like two minutes before. And they did amazing things, right? Like they healed people, they cast out demons. Uh, they helped walk around and feed 5,000 people. But who they were before the crucifixion, who they were after the crucifixion and who they were in the spirit came were different, right? Like no matter how much they were trying to follow God, no matter how much they were trying to follow Jesus, there was a limitation and we see it. Like when it came down to the final moment for Peter, who I believe 100% wanted to follow Jesus to his death, but when the moment came, he did not have the strength. And that's the thing is we don't have the strength. None of the three of us have the strength, but the difference is, is then when you fast forward to Acts 2, this same guy who didn't have the strength to stand with Jesus, suddenly the Holy Spirit fills him and he just goes out and starts preaching a sermon that he hadn't prepared to thousands of people and thousands of people are coming in. And then a couple chapters later, he gets arrested and he didn't have anything prepared, but he's talking, the Spirit's talking through him in such a way that the teachers of the law are like, this guy is uneducated. How is he talking like this? And then who Peter is, once the spirit is the one driving the car, mm-hmm. it's a completely different thing. But it's not because Peter did this, that, the other. Jesus said, hey, spirit's coming, let him in. And he's like, I guess that's what I'm going to do. And so anybody oh. listening that's like, oh, man, I, I want to be able to hear God and experience God. And I want to have a life that has more value than just my job title. That's that's it. That, that's the secret. That's the big secret is you you get to a place where you're willing to let go of your life and let God come in. And more than just a I go to church way, it's like, nope, the spirit is going to fill me and it's going to be something legit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man. Good word. <laughs> yeah. Should we just uh, end Good it there? Word. We could. <laughs> There's so much more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I had the thought of like uh, just when Jesus said like, you know, it's good that I go because the counselor is coming, you know, um, just referring to the Holy Spirit that uh, how insane of a thought that is in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I do think a lot about like the fact that uh, we have so many things that like pr- provide for us. Um, mm. So like uh, a lot of the time we like don't even allow ourselves to experience the provision of god Uh, i I mean i guess you know it's all provided from him but there's like this uh you know we we can convince ourselves that like we've 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 provided for our our own families um Mm -hmm. and um yeah i guess kind of the way that i've come to to view some things um thinking about like the dynamic with uh with like my dad um is in no way like talking junk about him um but he's like (laughs) one of the most selfless like people that I know in, in large part. Um, and I realized in the last few years that, um, for my, one of my brothers, he like gravitated to have those same attitudes towards other people. Um, where for me growing up, I think maybe being the oldest and maybe just being wired differently. Um, a lot of the time it was like, all right, like I don't need to help other people. Um, cause dad's got it. Mm. Um, and that kind of like unintentionally, like he was a great example. Um, but the way that I internalized things was like, all right, like I don't have to put the initiative because it's already covered. Um, and, um, yeah, just thinking about like in some ways, 
maybe the Peter and Jesus dynamic of like, I mean, when you're walking with Jesus and he can do things far better than anybody, um, mm-hmm. obviously there's like less opportunity to step into being led by the spirit and like having opportunity to, uh, yeah, I don't know, just like really rely on God working in and through you. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, obviously Jesus did send out the disciples to, to preach and, um, you know, to heal, uh, when they were very ill-equipped. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I just had that thought of kind of that dynamic of Jesus saying, you know, it's better that I go. And in, in some ways that doesn't make any sense. And in other ways, uh, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, man, I love that idea because if, you know, if we step back and we look at it and we're like, well, what's better? For them to just ride Jesus' coattails and let him do all the things, or for them to do like Jesus said, far more than he ever did. Uh, like we would say it's the second thing is the better thing, but the only way to get there was, like you said, him pushing them out, him dying, him being gone, which like felt like the worst possible thing to them. I mean, they were utterly broken the moment that Jesus was taken away. They're like, everything that I've thought was happening everything i dreamed of i thought there was going to be restoration and it's all ruined the two disciples walking on the road to emmaus are so downtrodden they can't even recognize jesus walking beside them they can't even recognize that they're the like the quintessential essence of their dreams was like happening and they're like oh man jesus died i guess we were wrong but like like we don't want that pain in our life we don't want to be pushed out but like You know, I've got when I think of my three kids and I think of all the times where I've had to like step back or release them or push them in order for them to grow. They were usually resistant to that initially. But the moment that they're actually able to walk on their own, run on their own, do things on their own, there's this joy and excitement because they don't have to rely on me anymore to do those things that they were designed to do. And that's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to just like, like you said, follow along with Jesus and like let Jesus feed the 5,000, let Jesus do this and the other. And he wants us to be the fullness of who he created us to be. And that's available to us. Mm -hmm. Right here, right now. Mm -hmm. If we're willing to trust him for it. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, I I heard a pastor say the greatest partnership in the kingdom of God is unconditional. Yes. Mm. And like, it's not a matter of what you're bringing to the table or how you can help, like, or how we can give Jesus the, the alley-oop. Like Hmm. he's like, if you're willing to just say yes, like those are the ones who tend to get used the most are Mm -hmm. just the ones who who are just willing to just be his. Hmm. And there's so much rest that comes out of that place. Cause you're not like, you're not trying to live this extraordinary life for affirmation. So people can think or try to affirm your faith to be something but it, it literally comes from a place of rest where it's like, my God is who he says that he is. And even when things don't work the way that I think they should work, I still trust him because he, he works all these things for my good. And like his mm-hmm. plans are not to harm me, but like they're to give me a hope in the future. Mm-hmm. So even if it looks like by worldly standards, I'm being criticized, I'm being ripped apart and no one seems to understand me. I know my heavenly father understands me and the obedience I'm walking in is giving me peace of mind. And it's literally the piece that surpasses all understanding because it actually surpasses all understanding. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's actually that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That is this is great. <laughs> this is great. 
(laughs) Now the trick now is, and this is the thing I have to come back to is, you know, we can say all these things, we can believe all these things. Um, but that's, it's not enough to have that in our minds. Like the next step is to just live it out, to recognize, you know, we're a very academic society. And so once you take the class and then you get the degree and then you can put that diploma on your wall, like, you know, you're good. Like you are now that thing. Um, whereas with this, it's, you know, we are still in these broken bodies. So now we have to continually choose to live it out, continually choose to trust it, continually choose to believe what doesn't make sense, which is like, you know, incomprehensible, ununderstandable, <laughs> like, but it's, but it's real, even though it doesn't yeah. seem real or feel real or make sense that it could be real. It's, it's real. And so how can we live in that, that level of faith of the impossible and the illogical, the wisdom of God is foolishness to man, but we're so confident in our foolishness that, you know, we won't trust that wisdom of a God who created us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I find, uh, it, you know, like the natural inclination, uh, societal and just like as an individual to always be more inner, you know, independent, um, mm. while recognizing that I need to be increasingly dependent on God. Um, and that kind of like tug and pull in me, um, mm-hmm. and kind of related to what you were just saying, like, um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of the time, like, I, I feel like, all right, um, I've learned like this lesson. Um, and I, I want to like, think that I won't have to go through the same thing to like reiterate the lesson, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there being times that I'm just like, all right, God, like, yeah, you came through and provided. That was a close one. Um, mm. <laughs> but I think I like grasped the whole idea of relying on you. Um, uh, and there being like this thing inside of me at times where I'm just like, all right, like, I'm glad I don't have to go that down that road uh, again. Uh, when in reality, it's like, uh, no, that was uh, that was a beginning of like refining, you know. Yeah, uh, that was that was a start of the process. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was just I was giving giving you a glimmer of like, you know, <laughs> what it does look like to rely on me. It was yeah. not like a one and done lesson. Like, this mm-hmm. is a lifelong thing, buddy. Yeah, mm-hmm. we get to a place where you feel like a good life, a right life, a life that God would want for us is one that is constantly eliminating the hardships and the struggles and the, you know. It's just not <laughs> like our our lives are, you know, we, we've already said it a few times. It's it's a journey and we are being made new. You know, it's like this the, the scripture talks about uh, the refiner's fire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you initially have this gold ore that doesn't look like much. Like you only really know that of its value if you know what to look for. And it's deep in the earth. You you can't find unless you dig, but you get this gold ore. But in and of itself, it doesn't have much value. It only has value once it goes into the crucible, once it's like put under intense heat, once it's melted down and the impurities are coming out. But then when it goes through that, it's not that that was a punishment. That was essential. That was necessary for it to be changed into something new, for the things that were never meant to be in it to be removed. And then you like swipe off all those impurities and then you have this gold and in the hands of a master craftsman that gold can be turned into the most amazing things um and we would rather like settle for being gold ore because it's not going to hurt as much 
but that's never what we were intended to be. God wanted to create us into this beautiful statue or thing that can only get there through the stuff that will remove what's not meant to be. Good word. Good word. <laughs> this, I mean, I, that's like the point of sanctification, right? It's mm-hmm. like for us to be set apart, to be able to be, to live a life that glorifies God. Like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of that also has a lot to do with us increasingly like having our minds renewed by the word of God to have the mind of Christ, as Paul would say, mm-hmm. um, where we're, we're thinking and seeing the way that Jesus would. And then out of that, knowing the father's heart, we're now able to step in and do the things that Jesus would ultimately do. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, on, on a real, like on, in a real way, like that life looks foolish to a lot of people, especially kind of like here in America, because like mm-hmm. our culture is so, demonizes the word dependence Mm. and it like idolizes independence it idolizes self-sufficiency and which is the exact opposite thing that jesus is actually calling us to Mm. and it makes it it makes it almost like weird to be a christian that is actually trying to trust the lord in that area of your life Mm -hmm. because everyone else around you you look like you're doing too much Mm. or they're like you're being over spiritual or like mm. you're, you're just reading too much into it. Like, or bro, dude, it's not that deep. Like <laughs> chill. Like, uh, <laughs> like it's like, no, but eternity is that deep. Like mm. I watched the Francis Chan rope illustration. Like mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that wrecked me, dude. Like the first time he explained that whole thing, he's like, I'm going to like do this here and I'm going to work really, really hard for this part. So I can enjoy this last little bit right here. And like, none of it's guaranteed, like mm-hmm. none of it. Mm-hmm. But like how we spend this ultimately determines how we spend the rest of that. And Mm -hmm. like for the first time, I think like my mind opened up to like, holy crap, like (laughs) what am I really living for? Mm -hmm. Like, am I living a life that's worthy of what Jesus died and suffered for? I'm 100%. Yeah. Like by attained, by no means. Mm -hmm. But am I willing? 100%. Yeah. Like if it comes down to it, like I know now more than before i'm able to trust my father's heart because i walk with him and like you were saying you step out and you begin to trust the promises of god and when you do that you see them play out and you begin to believe the word actually does have the power that jesus says that it has mm-hmm. so now you're actually that much more able to believe and step into things you wouldn't because you're seeing god come through on his word so mm-hmm. like that's like a chain reaction thing that's meant to continue to bring us deeper and deeper into relationship with him Mm-hmm. And like the outpour of that relationship is the transformation of the world and the flourishing of the kingdom. Like, yeah. And to bring it full circle, you know, we talked at the beginning of this about the importance of sharing our stories and of connecting through that way. And I think one of the other traps that the enemy puts is, is letting us fall into a place where we're focused just on our own personal spiritual growth. We make it just about us and God, but you know, when, you know, the, the teacher of the law came and said, I've been keeping all the commandments, but Jesus is like, what's the most important? And Jesus says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, like love God and love others. Like that mm-hmm. is the, the totality of the law. That, that is like the essence of what we are called to do and to be. And, and it strikes me that Jesus didn't just leave it at love God, you know, love mm-hmm. within it comes back to, you know, you mentioned that dependence, like that is embodied within that, that we in loving God are allowing ourselves to be dependent on him. But in loving others, we are 
putting ourselves in a position where we're also dependent on the body. Mm -hmm. And by sharing those stories, by connecting with each other, we're actually living into the fullness. Whereas if I just focus on my own personal growth, I'm missing that second law that is just as important as the first. And so that's the thing we got to, we got to do this as a body. Like, you know, right now two or more are gathered. So like God's showing up, but how can we create that space in our lives where it's not simply that I go to a church building and there are other people there, but that we are mm-hmm. actually connecting our lives. That church isn't the one to two hours, depending on your denomination uh, on a Sunday, <laughs> but it's like all the hours of the week, you know, we are in communion with God and we are communion with others that our lives are captured, framed by love God, love others. Like if we actually live that out, how would our churches, how would our cities, how would our world look different? Because mm. the kingdom of God is inside of people. Mm. Like according to Jesus, it's not in the temple, it's not in the place, it's not in the Pacific church. Like it's in the hearts of people that Jesus has loved and created. That, that's where the unearthing needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you were saying, through that intimacy and that personal relationship, the kingdom of God gets unearthed. Mm. Sometimes there's a lot of a lot of junk on the fire that just needs to be like walked through. Mm. And, like that's the beauty of us having one another to do that with. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, uh, thinking about what you're saying about like the storyteller thing uh, really early on, tied into like the I guess maybe interdependence might be a good mm. word. Um, mm. But. Uh, just uh, there was a point in time years back when um, uh, just like sharing certain parts of my story, uh, people would say like that they were surprised that I was like uh, as transparent about certain parts. Um, and the way that I looked at it was like, well, it's it's not like my story. Like it's the mm-hmm. story of like God at work. Um, and uh, when, when I can really think of it in those terms, um, not just because I want to think of it that way, but because I believe it's true. Um, it's like, for one, like there's an openness where it's just like, yeah, like any part of my my story is the story of God, you know, like uh, interacting and uh, and playing a part. Um, I mean, not not just playing a part. That sounds like it's down <laughs> downplaying. Uh, mm. He is the he is uh, like we we've said a lot around here lately. Like he is the hero of the story. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm just a dude that like gets to witness. Um, it, you know him at work um Mm -hmm. and um yeah i I guess kind of like seeing our stories not as like this is something that i own but like yeah this is something that we share with each other not just to say yeah this is mine but this is all of ours this is you know like let's let's show each other uh what the master storyteller has done um and like see how those stories interact and how they bounce off of each other and um, just how they all point to the same thing, you know. They don't mm-hmm. point to me. They don't point point to Paul or Calvin. They they point to to Jesus. They point to God and, and His work in us. Mm-hmm. I I was kind of curious. Uh, I mean, I guess kind of alluded to not always being in the place that you're you're in right now mm-hmm. with uh, with your faith and with your walk with Jesus. Um, what uh I guess you did mention a, a couple turning points, but um. Yeah, I guess uh, what has been more of your like your journey of uh, coming to a place of uh, where you're at now with yeah. um, when it comes to like your own personal story um, and mm-hmm. the way that you view it. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. Uh, how many hours we got for this? Uh, nah, yeah. You know, there, there are so many stories that I could tell. Um, you know, the most recent one, though, I think is the most important. And that's, you know, I was in a there was a there was a really hard season that I was in where I felt like my identity was being crushed, uh, fought against, um, called weakness, all these things that really brought me down. I don't know if like, you know, y'all do much with like uh, Myers-Briggs or Enneagram. Um, but you know, for any of the listeners that (laughs) do that, you know, I'm an INFP, I'm an Enneagram nine, but like the shorthand of all that is like, I am not who you normally identify as a leader. Um, there are other character traits, other personalities that are the more overt leaders. Um, and, and yet I felt like God calling that God has always called me to spaces of leadership. And, and so I had a season of life where there was a clear way that God was calling me to lead and to trust him. Uh, and there is incredible resistance to it. And, and how I responded to that <laughs> over the course of three years took many different forms. Um, I'm a, I'm a peacemaker at heart. So I tried to like understand the other person. Well, maybe they just misunderstood something I said or this, that, and the other. And I tried to explain it and things got worse. I was like, okay, well, I'm normally, uh, avoid conflict. So maybe I'll press into conflict and I tried to confront it and things got worse. Um, but what I eventually found is that I was falling into this place of believing that I had to communicate and protect my identity. But the problem was, is I didn't actually understand what my identity was because I was identifying myself more by the things that I was doing that I felt like God called me to than I was to being a child of God. Because when I am identifying myself by those things, then my value and success is based on if those things are accomplished. If I'm identifying myself as a child of God, then my value and success is determined by the fact that, wait, yep, I'm still a child of God. (laughs) Like, all right, like I'm still following God. You know, it's like the, you know, the, the son who, you know, left his father and ran off with all this stuff. Like he never stopped being the son and he came back and the father received him with open arms. Like it didn't matter how much he messed up. Like he was always that father's son. And the graciousness of God over the course of several years of walking with me, of reminding me of my identity, of helping me to recognize the ways that I was punching the air in vain because I was fighting a fight that God never told me to fight. You know, there is a point where I hit this, man, utter brokenness, just utter hopelessness. I was literally sitting on the um, closet floor and I felt like I had... I had tried to do my best. I had tried to honor this other person. I had tried to, to serve. I had tried to love. Like I tried to do all these things and nothing was working. And it finally had hit the place where it's like, I don't know what to do because there's nothing left that I can do. And it was God's like, <laughs> it was like God was saying to me, it's about time you hit this place. <laughs> stop trying to do it your own. And one of the, one of the, greatest things that God told me. So this was, uh, you know, this was in a vocational context and it was, uh, you know, a supervisor. And, uh, I had, uh, a spiritual father of mine tell me, um, he said, you know, Paul, you don't work for this person. You don't work for this organization. You work for God. So what is your boss God telling you to do? And 
And I realized that up until that point, I was operating as though I answered to those other entities. And I functionally did because I had a job. Mm -hmm. But I actually, like, first and foremost, I answered to God. And at any point that God was telling me something counter to those other things, I needed to do what God said. And I needed to not worry about the ramifications because if my boss is telling me to do it, then my boss, God's going to cover it. Like He's going to take care of right. it. And I entered this, play, this space where in the course of just a few days, I went from utterly hopeless, feeling like I was misrepresented, misjudged, mistreated, and there is no way out of it to God being like, like circumstances didn't even change. All that changed was my perspective. And God saying, why are you worrying about what other people think or what other people are doing or how what things are happening? When I'm saying that I, I'm I'm a good father and I love you and I got you covered, <laughs> that mm -hmm. shift in perspective of answering to God, of knowing my identity is in God, of knowing who God is and who he's created me to be and what he's calling me to do, I, that changed everything. When I started operating just based on those three things, everything changed. Did things get better? Functionally, a lot of them didn't. They, they got worse. I lost my job, right? But like, realistically, spiritually, I was in such... Uh, a, a free, joyful space. And even the day that I lost my job, God had given me a heads up that it might happen. And there's a much, much longer, really good story than this. But I stepped into that space, received the news that should have been soul crushing to me. And I was good. Like, mm. I didn't agree with it. Yeah. I didn't think it was right. But what God had shown me is he was basically, he was saying to me, look, Paul, this isn't about you this isn't about a job i'm doing something bigger than you or a job or anything you know about and all you have to do is just trust me and walk in this space because when i thought it was about the job the years before it was soul crushing and it was it was awful yeah <laughs> but when god's like nope i'm doing something your job doesn't even matter it's that blip on the radar it's that two inches of rope it's like doesn't matter i'm calling you into something bigger and man I felt so free. I felt so joyful. And for like seven months of unemployment until I decided to step into missions and still not get paid, like there were hard moments, but man, there was such freedom and such joy because suddenly I was beginning to see more and more that the way that the world actually operates is not the way that I had been living. I began to understand who I actually was, who God actually was. And I mean, I just, I don't want to go back. And I can't go back, like, yeah. I, because I've I've seen it, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah, you've seen too much. You're like, you're like a ruined man. Yeah, in the best way, like <laughs> ruined in a good way. <laughs> yeah, in, in the best way you could possibly be ruined. Like I am, I am destroyed utterly. Because like, I could try to like practically work things out and tangibly come up with a plan, and like it could probably yield a great level of success if I'm being mm -hmm. honest. Will I, will I have like the presence of God in it and knowing that I'm walking obediently? No, not for mm -hmm. what he's put on my heart to do. Mm -hmm. um, could I have some level of success? Yes. Could I fool people into believing my hype? Possibly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Will I have the presence of God on it? Probably not. Will I have the peace of the Lord at the end of the day when I'm by myself and no one's patting me on the back? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But what... The peace that literally surpasses all understanding literally does surpass all understanding. That's like mm -hmm. the greatest gift of it. Cause like, dude, it's our peace is found in so many things that don't and aren't promised. Mm -hmm. 
but God's love is always promised and it's always faithful and it doesn't, it doesn't change. Like he'll never tire of himself. Like with him a day, a thousand years and a thousand years, like a day. And like in him, like there is no shadow of turning his life forevermore. Like Mm -hmm. those things, like the character of God is a thing that you trust in. So you can work anywhere. You can do anything. You can be anywhere. Like you don't feel like you have to be on one spot specifically to feel like you're walking in God's will for your life. You're in his will because you're in his love. Like mm-hmm. you can be anywhere at that point and mm-hmm. still know the presence of God and still like have that on you and still be able to move powerfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, That's Paul, sick. Paul was, uh, sitting, he was on house arrest and he, you know, had lashes on his back. Couldn't even straighten his back from all the wounds from being flogged <clears throat> and stoned and left for dead. And he had been shipwrecked and, you know, had been betrayed and insulted and, all these things and he's sitting in house arrest and he says i've learned the secret to being content in all situations rejoice in the lord always and i would say again rejoice like if you had asked the apostle paul you know back when he was still saul what is the secret to being content what is like your best case scenario he would say well i'm on track to become the pharisee of pharisees the best of the best so i'm i'm getting there like people see me and they know like I have authority and I have power and I am smart. And I, but then you ask the apostle Paul, what's the secret to being content in all situations? Like what's the, what's success? He actually says like, you know, all that stuff that I was doing before, that's rubbish. Like that's mm-hmm. garbage. That is junk. All of that is nothing compared to the surpassing glory of knowing Christ. And if you had asked Saul, Hey, What's the worst possible scenario? He'd probably say, oh, man, if I was sitting in prison, like I'm doing all these <laughs> yeah. Christians, and if I've been beaten and all that, like that's the worst. I do not ever want to be in that place. And yet, decades later, he's like, I'm good. Like, I'm rejoicing. Like, you don't even understand how amazing I feel right now. Hold up. The guard's saying something to me. I feel so, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That, and that is, it's mind blowing. It's like you're saying, it's like surpasses understanding, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Like yet here we are constantly guiding our life and our feelings and everything based on understanding. But no, <laughs> the Dude, wisdom of God is foolishness to man. I would, the thoughts that I always have are like, man, like imagining getting to heaven and seeing all of it and like just bumming out because I played it safe. Mm. Like, yeah. That that's like a conviction I could not like live with after like everything that Jesus has done. Like mm-hmm. in light of all he suffered and like the martyrs who've died. Like there was like this book that my buddy had called like the uh the book of martyrs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like reading through, like I didn't really get super deep into the book before I was just like thoroughly just felt like trash. <laughs> like mm-hmm. like these guys were like suffered the worst possible deaths because they seen the glory of God so much so that it was the only thing they cared about. So mm-hmm. if it came to their bodies being destroyed or them being maimed or like them being killed, like they were willing to suffer that. And like, mm-hmm. I'm afraid to pray for people in public because I don't want people to think I'm that Christian. Like, <laughs> I felt like such trash. <laughs> like, like Lord, mm-hmm. it all comes back to like the fact that like he's worthy and he had to work that in me for a mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. And he always asked me like ever so often, like, am I still worthy? And I always have to respond like, Lord, you are worthy. And even when it's scary, like, I still believe you're worthy. Mm-hmm. Like, teach me because I don't want to be afraid if you tell me I don't have to be. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Good mm. word, man. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is so sick. 
<laughs> it's like this, I like so needed this conversation mm. today because I just had the hardest time earlier. <laughs> like, Dude, but that's real uh, though. Like I woke up like I had a I had a hard week. I woke up feeling still feeling like junk and like I mean I I'm feeling restored right now. And actually, there's another conversation I had with someone this morning that was unplanned. And like, there's something about when you are seeking God and you feel crazy and then you find out there are other crazy people too. <laughs> yeah. like right. it's my favorite thing you're like okay yeah, <laughs> i'm not i'm not losing my mind like at least insane. these people are with me we can go crazy together but like uh, oh man it is it's it's refreshing <laughs> <laughs> i'm so overjoyed in my heart this is great this is so good <laughs> mm. sick <laughs> uh, man uh. Dude, Paul, uh, I, I was thinking we'll we'll get wrapping up on the conversation, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, thanks so much for sharing. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know, so many things that you said, I was just like, yeah, I need to hear those. Um, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about, uh, yeah, like where people can listen to your podcast and um, what's do you have like a format to it? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the first question, um, anywhere that anybody listens to podcasts, uh, where did you see God is the name of it. Um, it's hosted by anchor. So you can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, but it's on, you know, it's on all of them, man. It's on all of them. And there's a, we have a Facebook page. I say we like there's other people. It's just me. <laughs> I need to get myself a co-host. Um, but, uh, I think it's facebook.com slash where did you see God? You can search it. We all know how it works. Um, but yeah, the format, you know, really, I, my dream is for it to be less and less my voice uh, and more and more the voices of others. And so, you know, there are multiple venues for which people can, you know, share their stories. There's a, a number for a voicemail. Don't have it memorized, but it's on the site uh, there. You know, people can message or, you know, people that are local, I'll sit down and we'll just get the mic out, even if it's like unplanned and I just turn on the voice memos on my phone. Like, I'll just capture those stories. However, the most recent one, you can hear knives and forks clanging because I was <laughs> recording while people were eating because I'm like, I don't care. I want to capture these stories. Um, but yeah, there's it's it's there are sometimes themes to it. Um, and I'll try to, you know, have an intro and outro to kind of capture what God might be saying. But I'm gonna be honest with you. The worst episodes are going to be the ones that I script out and plan. The best ones are going to be the ones that I say, all right, God. Uh, you do what you're going to do, like that I invite the Holy Spirit in. And like, literally, sometimes I press record. I'm like, Holy Spirit, speak, Holy Spirit, speak, because I feel like I'm just talking to myself right yeah. now. And and there are just moments where like I get to the end of an outro and I was like, I don't even know what I just said. I need to listen to that again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's my hope is like, I want this to be whatever God wants it to be. If tomorrow God's like, all right, 23 was the number, we're done, then I want to do that. If God says, I want you to keep on bringing that mic out, then I want to do it. But the core is God is giving stories to people and he wants us to share those stories. So I'm going to do my best to create a context for those stories to be heard. And I'm going to let God take it from there. Sick. And I guess no. be, beyond that, um, cause I, I mean, like, you know, we, we do this podcast and like mm-hmm. we spread the story of God at work. You do your yeah. podcast and spread the story of God at work. But, uh, um, yeah. What are your thoughts as far as like in the day to day, like uh, mm. maybe how are we missing yeah. um, 
I don't know, just like having an openness of, of sharing that mm-hmm. and cultivating that being kind of like the norm. Yeah. It starts off with what I said earlier. Like we by default don't look for God to work. We don't listen for God to work. Like that's just our default. So we got to break that. So, you know, that's why the ep- the podcast is named what it's named. That's a simple question that we can ask. Where did you see God? Um, the best thing though, is to start the day by saying, where am I going to see God? <laughs> like God, how are you going to work? The second thing is, you know, it's, we have a problem of just believing. We think higher of our memories than we actually should. Our memories are yeah. strong. And so when you look at scripture, something else that is constantly throughout scripture is remember, 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 uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the setting up of Ebenezer stones exists because God's like, I want you to take these stones from the river and I want you to put them here because I can guarantee you're going to forget that I parted waters and you walked through. Like that's how <laughs> yeah. bad your memory is. But these stones are going to remind you, you're going to see them and you're going to know. And so finding ways to create your own Ebenezers. Uh, for me, it sometimes it might be journal entries. Sometimes it might just be bullet points of writing down, you know, on any given day where I felt like I experienced God, even if I didn't understand it. Um, it's my podcast because there's times where I felt like God pushed me to share a story. I was like, I don't, I don't want to talk this much. Um, but I think people also need to free themselves, like we said before, to let the story, let God's voice, let it be whatever it needs to be in that moment. Don't, don't try to package it. Don't try to find a grand revelation. There may be a moment that you feel like you're experiencing God, that you're like, all I, I just feel angry right now. I don't even know what's going on. But you can take those moments and then sit with God with it. Like, all right, God, I'm feeling this way. Like, what are you saying? What are you doing? Let me pull out the Bible. Let me see what it says about this. Let me talk to somebody. So, you know, believing that God speaks and then making space to actually engage it and then connecting others into that process. Yeah, I appreciate you, y'all. Man. Y'all have a good night. You, you too. too. Enjoy. <laughs> all right. Bye. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Man. Dude, um, yeah, I mean, now you have to check out his podcast, but um, yeah, like I'm I said, going to. like I said earlier, man, like uh, it was a few minutes into his first episode, I haven't even finished that episode, and I was just like, "Yep, this guy mm-hmm. like gets it, and <laughs> I mean, gets it more than I do." Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to see what else we're up to, uh, to listen to past episodes, you can head over to LetGodDie.com. And if you want to check out the extended cut of this episode, search Let God Die on YouTube. If you'd like to help us continue doing what we do, you can head over to LetGodDie.com and click on the support tab. Any contribution would be much appreciated. Thank you so much for your time, and we will see you next week.